Well, I am going to break your microwave for various reasons. Hello and welcome. I'm Steve. And I'm tired. And I'm worn out. And this is Fools for Tools, a podcast. Fools for, for Tools. <laughs> tools? This tools is for Fools for Tools. For fuck's sake. Jesus. I'm very dehydrated. Keep a it going, Steve. For the we'll, fix we'll fix it in post. Obsolete Overman. There we go. We got there. Uh, yes. So, gentlemen, how are we? How has everyone been? Blah, 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 blah. Al. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even hear anymore. <laughs> I can see the disappointment in his eyes. Blah, 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 Al. <laughs> that was very chick. That is drunk. Yes. So, how how are we all? How has everyone been? Al, how's your week been? What have you been up to? Um, interesting things, actually. Uh, it started with a friend of mine proposing a bit of a collaboration. Um, yeah. she's got an idea for a line of kids' toys, Ooh. Um, which are very handcrafted and very beautifully designed. Um, she doesn't want me to talk about it because um, it's in very. So you're going to on the podcast? No, 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 no. no. Um, and I, she wants help with a sort of mechanism inside. It's going to be a really simple yeah. uh, toy, but it actually has does things and has features and a bit of autonom 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 automation. Um, <laughs> I'm sure there's another end in there somewhere. Um, yeah, so she wants just uh, so, some help on the mechanics and then potentially how we could make it because she, she wants to make it out of wood, uh, which would be really beautiful, really natural materials, very yeah. Scandinavian. So just starting to do some research on that. So very excited about that. So hopefully an upcoming project um, and a real thing, which is interesting for me. Um, oh, but what's been taking up most of my time recently uh, is I've fallen down a very, very slippery eBay <laughs> rabbit hole yeah into obsolete technology <laughs> um <laughs> specifically sony mini discs um so when i was a kid i loved tech as much as i do now um obviously i, I didn't have well I, I probably had more fucking disposable income then because i wasn't <laughs> yeah. paying any bills um so i often had like really cool like um like personal audio devices. So like uh, I remember the Samsung Yep was the first MP3 player that I bought uh, with eight megabit, uh, eight <laughs> megabytes of onboard memory, which is approximately like three songs you could store on that. Um, yeah. But at around the same time, uh, was Minidisc was really big. So it had gone from kind of Sony cassette Walkmans to you could get like personal Discmans, which were great, but they used to jog a lot and dit and skip. And then Minidisc came on the scene and they were fantastic. Um, they didn't really take off in the States as much as they did in, in the UK and Japan, where they were kind of really popular. But it got yeah. to the point where, like, me and all my mates had mini discs. And then people even had, like, mini disc decks in their cars. We had yeah. mini disc decks at home on the hi fi. So you could record stuff like off the radio and off the TV and anything like that. So it's like my means of recording audio, yeah. like post cassette days. It was like, well, what have I got in my setup that I can record like audio? I was like, oh, let's get a mini disc deck. I loved it. I love the format. I love the little, um, just the size and the shape and everything, and the, the the fact that it was in a little plastic case and you couldn't scratch it. And it was just great. Um, and then towards the end of the format's life, Sony were just making some incredible machines, beautiful mm. things, like really, really tiny, 
really packed full of features and and they were updating the kind of the the quality of the audio and the 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 discs that you could buy and stuff to the end and it was you got you could get like one gigabyte mini discs yeah now at the time for an additional eight megabyte of ram in my samsung yep it was 130 quid for an eight megabyte meg, meg, I, can't, I can't say megabyte eight megabyte memory card 130 quid for a card that was more than the fucking mp3 player was right yeah yet you could buy a blank sony mini disc one gigabyte <laughs> for like three quid it was ridiculous so you had this format that was relatively quick to access could score, store, store thousands of songs on you know this is pre-ipod <laughs> it was fucking amazing and i loved it i loved the format and then um i, I guess i just kind of grew old and, and forgot about it and then i just came across well, one on ebay Go I, on. Was say, I, don't, I don't i don't think it was just the fact that you got old and forgot about it i think it was the fact that it mini discs themselves they were they were all set to kind of replace cds yeah but then streaming and digital Napster. like the, the ipod <laughs> yeah the ipod came along and kind of yeah. ruined it um because well not ruined it but kind of made it obsolete before it had the chance to be the leading technology because yeah. it was it was so much easier and more accessible for people to just yeah you see that right um so yeah and i kind of forgot about it and my only reminders every now and then is like when you're watching the matrix and neo's got some like data file yeah. like disk for some reason um and then something just popped up and i don't i don't go on ebay i don't shop on ebay i don't know why i was on ebay um, and I was like, I, I want to get a mini disc player. Um, <laughs> and then that just opened, I just fell down this rabbit hole. And then it was like, do I get a like a full hi fi setup? Do I get a deck, like a mini disc deck that I can put in my separates and with my amp? Do I get a little personal recorder and player and stuff? And then the more I dug into it, I realized that none of them work anymore and everybody's just giving them away. And mm. there's like, you know, I haven't got this, I haven't got that, I haven't got the remote, I haven't got the cables um won't play discs ten dollars <laughs> and i'm just like yeah, yeah please uh, <laughs> and, and they've all got the same error code and all the sony um machines all have the same error code it's nine times out of ten you just need to clean the optical laser the, mm -hmm. the sensor and then the other one time out of ten you just got to replace like a rubber belt which is like 10 cents so yeah. they're just giving these mini discs players away and i'm buying all of them <laughs> <laughs> and also everything's interchangeable so you can get a remote control off one mini display and it works on the whole range of sony sony machines so yeah. all these people that would say no i haven't got all the parts you can have it i'm like yeah okay i'll take it and then i'll just get the other one <laughs> there that's broken and just yeah frankenstein them together and wow. so my plan is to to, to to make a really beautiful personal audio player and i've just got like like visions of just like it being a really great prop in like videos and stuff just having this this mini display yeah so nice. I, I, fell down, I fell down this big eBay rabbit hole. And then on the back of that, relatively low risk, low investment bit of fun, uh, I'm currently in the process of buying a car. Um, <laughs> I, I, Are you I, actually going to buy it? I fucking am going to buy it. Yes! I, I in no way need to buy a car. Um, <laughs> I have a car that's, that's great. Uh, and I haven't left the house in a year. Um, <laughs> but this is much more than so good. this yeah. this is a so 1993 suzuki vitara five door which brett i think is a sidekick in the states suzuki sidekick um oh my god long wheelbase one five door in white 
Um, it's got forty thousand miles on the clock. What? Um, which is yeah. insane. Um, and it's like less than two grand. It's it's offensive. This this car. So I'm going to buy it for several reasons. One. First car I ever owned was a 1993 white <laughs> Vittara. <laughs> I owned the three door one, so this is like the five door one. This is like me. I've grown up now. So this I'm is getting, the grown up, yeah. I'm getting the bigger version of it. And mine had 240,000 miles on the clock when that died. <laughs> <laughs> so it tells you what kind of state this, this one is in. Um, and the second reason is that a previous spiffy of mine, which was the show Car Throttle, which is great fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the host of that is also called Alex, and his friends last week bought him a mystery car, and it happened to be a 1993 Suzuki Vitara five door. <laughs> <laughs> and so all these things are falling into place, and it's like fate. I'm like, I have to get this car, and there's none of them on the road. Th- these cars yeah. do not exist anymore, mainly because like the just Japanese rust buckets that just do not survive that long. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I've just got to buy it. But the main reason that I'm buying it. And as mentioned before, I don't need a car, is because I think it would be a perfect candidate for a uh, camper conversion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've never seen one uh, turned into a camper. I've seen a few people stick like tents on the roof <laughs> or like yeah. tow a trailer, but I've never seen a, a camper conversion of a, a Grand Vitara. So I'm hoping I can get this car, and then it will be a f- amazing project to kick off the year. Absolutely. Do a, a camper conversion on a stupid, stupid, <laughs> terrible, badly designed, incredibly dangerous, underpowered um, Japanese SUV. <laughs> is, this, is this right that it says, well, I'm looking at a two-door version or whatever came up. What size is the engine? Because this one says 1.6 liters. <laughs> 1.6 was the, was the standard engine in a, in a, well, in most cars in the UK. That's, yeah. that, that's a big engine in the UK, right? All right, all right. <laughs> but yeah, they, they did a they did a two liter V six, but they are incredibly rare. And I think they yeah. did a one point nine diesel or a two liter diesel. Or so, but I've, no, I've never seen a diesel one. Okay. Um, but the but it's it's four by four. It's like it's not designed mm-hmm. for cruising on the motorway or anything like that. It's right. the majority the majority of them, and the reason that there's none on the road is because most of them go to farms. So yeah. Vitara is just because they're super reliable. Um, in terms of like the actual engine and the the drivetrain and the gearbox and the four by four and stuff, it's just the bodies just rust around them. <laughs> so, yes. so all of them are like failed MOTs, but they're all on farms somewhere. <laughs> yeah, as I say, the amount of farmers I know that have got one like or have got several kicking around yeah. in a yard that's now just a home for sheep. Um, so I'm hoping that means I could I could maybe get hold of like a door if I need one or yeah. like parts really easily. Um, but yeah, I, I need I need to buy this car. Yes, um, you do, and it's cheap, and I will hopefully get a really good project out of it. And just given the state of things at the moment, I think a camper van is a really good idea because yeah, you can't go to a hotel, you can't stay places, you can't travel, but doing that in a camper just makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm so I was so excited when you sent me the link. <laughs> <laughs> And the fact that you're actually doing it, it's just... its I just my... need to work out how to, to safely travel to another country to buy it because it's in Dundee in Scotland. Yeah. So I need to... Oh, Jesus. I need, I need to check all the, the correct um, social distancing, etc. regulations. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I'm so upset that I can't just, like, drive up there and pick you up on the way and nice. convoy it back. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I'm very excited about that um, happening. 
That's me. Uh, Sorry, that went on a bit long, but I've been I got very excited this week. No, you're no, right. That's, that's yes. a, good, a good one to talk about. Um cool. Uh Brett, what about you? Well, no buying cars on the Ooh. on this end. Yeah, it's too bad. I will say the best news to come out of the week was my email from the county that says all of the plans and things I submitted before Christmas have now been approved. Yay! <laughs> so I still don't get to tell you guys or the audience as at large that I get to start working on the thing. But that was the big, that was like 15 pieces of paperwork and money and back permitting and things like that. And all of it had to get lumped together and thrown at the county. So I can only assume that was a decent portion of what I have to do. Also, when I told Ben, who's done plenty of these projects before, he was like, that's a big deal. Good. <laughs> and that's about as good of a reaction as I could get out of him. So... Um, it's a good sign. Hopefully, uh, the way things work out, um, I have to pay like one more permitting fee or something, which sucks. Uh, and then like fill out two pieces of paperwork. And if I do that, supposedly I can call the power company. And if I get power to that property, like I'm not sleeping for a month <laughs> or two. I think I'm just going to go crazy because it is it is so unrealistic for me. Every time I go over there right now, just think about not having electricity and all these people that work like live off the grid. I've never really been able to put that together because I know so much of what I do. I, I don't need a lot of electricity or a lot of things, but being able to charge my phone or run a light is important. And I think by the time I get power hooked up to the place, it, I'm just not even going to know what to do with myself because it's <laughs> going to be such a shift of what the last year has been. But it gets me into that, uh, back into that kind of self-sufficient, I can build stuff, I can make this place livable, I can, you know, all of that excitement that happened last year when I put that first little video out, hopefully comes back. Like, I'm, I'm trying to get re-motivated, and Al, because I have to comment on the weather, the weather is going to be shifting, hopefully the timing works out. Uh, where it's not too hot. I can get inside, do a lot of work, get that out of the way before it gets super, super hot and I don't have an air conditioner unit or something, you know, like try and get all that stuff prepped so that I have a functional and slightly comfortable place to continue work on during, say, the summer months and everything. Nice. So that's exciting. It was just a big deal to get that uh, paperwork kind of signed off on. Um, amidst the rest of the week uh i did harden the gigantic skull hammer and funny enough i guess the the more i've been holding it or just kind of grinding on it and stuff i did a lot of shaping with punches and you know i was trying to really sculpt it out but moving you know four inches of steel in like a post vice and no hydraulics or anything i realized that people without that equipment or a striker you, you don't make dumb stuff that big for a reason it's just very <laughs> impractical but it's been fun i i did the hardening and it it worked it's hard which is a good sign uh so hopefully i'll get that handled and finish that video try and get it up by the weekend spent yesterday in san diego again i think it was the last time which is a bit sad to know that we may not see that shop again at least in that state 
uh, because the the family has to do the conversion on it for everything I told you guys about with the the state or the county. They have to get it completely emptied out. We have a few people that are just trying to work out logistics to take the machines that are in there. And when we left yesterday, it was like you could see the whole floor. There was nothing that needed to exist on the floor was on the floor anymore. Or sorry, if it didn't need to exist on the floor. So it, it was like the four big machines in there and then all the tabletops were clear and everything's organized and stuff. And it looks as if like that would be the state that I would love to just go, right, now this shop is workable. Like you can, it was so clean and organized and it was it was so nice. <laughs> and if we see the shop again, it's probably not going to look like that. It's going to be empty or torn down or, you know, refitted because they're, they have to rebuild the space. So it was a bit sad. But there were reminders similar to what you were dealing with on the tech side out where these big machines are kind of obsolete. Everybody loves them. <laughs> Everybody in New York is like, I wish you guys were closer. Like this guy in Montana that was like, how much would shipping costs on the Monarch that weighs 4,000 pounds? I'm like, let's not do that. Everybody appreciates them or, or a lot of our audience wants to appreciate these old machines because they know how useful they are. But for all intents and purposes... They're pretty obsolete. There's smaller versions. There's more compact versions of these things. Yeah, you may not have a lathe with the same throw as that big monarch, but I just don't know a lot of people that are doing that because machines have kind of taken over for large production runs like that or, or very fine-tuned. You got to imagine this guy was a gunsmith and he's turning rifle barrels <laughs> and machining them out with these gigantic bits, you know, to ream out an entire... 36 inch long barrel there's just machines that do that now like you know standalone machines not an operator running these lathes so it was a bit sad to go like oh well i hope the people come and get those because this shop looks really amazing but it will not be a shop probably the next time we see it in the final hours we we kind of threw some more just odds and ends materials jess has a box of absolute gold little tools and things like that the smallest spanner i've ever seen like actually says dropped forged on it and it's, it's the smallest spanner i've ever seen i have some brass to play with and some various things but the real fun machine which i'm fun machine i'm sure it will not get as much use as i would like it to but we grabbed a turret punch which if anybody wants to look it up it's a it's a ridiculous hole punch for sheet metal work or, or various metal work that'll do. I don't know if it'll do an eighth of an inch, but it's supposed to do pretty thick steel and it'll just punch a one inch hole, but it goes all the way down to, you know, like an eighth inch hole or something like that. And it's so cool, but it's a completely obsolete machine because I even tried to look up and research that machine and maybe how to take it apart because it weighs 800 pounds and maybe we could move it in pieces. That company still exists, but they just make computer-controlled versions of it. So you just throw the thing in there, and it's just a pneumatic punch that does its own yeah. thing, or it's a CNC of sorts. Anyway, busy enough week with uh, just various projects, and then yesterday was a really long full day. Didn't get back until late, uh, and I'm <laughs> got to play catch-up on everything, hoping hoping to have a good week. Nice. Yeah. yeah. That's it on my end, though. Cool. Uh, yeah, so, it sounds like a... What is like the defining moment you can start work on the house? I have... 
I, I think what it is is I have to write the county a check for these school fees. Right. Uh, because they are an absolute requirement. I, I, I don't even know. I know they are a requirement, but I couldn't get a straight answer from anybody where it's like, is this part of my property tax? Or like, is this going to the school system? I, I don't understand. It's called school fees, but it's based on the square footage and plot size of your house. Right. And I was like, Okay, so if you have a bigger house, you have to give more to the school. Is that just their taxation based on class systeming or whatever it is? I don't understand, but they they told me they were like, yeah, you have to get all the planning in once the planning is signed off on, then you pay the school fees. And I was like, okay, but if you come back and tell me that my house is actually this many square feet, then it raises all of my taxes across the board. And please don't be mean to me. So on my planning, I did not include the 120 square foot shop because technically I didn't have to. <laughs> and I, I haven't even checked what I owe yet, but I really hope that the guy didn't go, oh, there's also an extra 120 square feet because it's, I can't remember dollars per square foot, but it's something very <laughs> silly. Yeah. It, it sounds like you're in a good place though. It sounds like things are actually moving. So it's actually a productive week. So that's good. Yeah, no, we we've had uh, we've had kind of a boring week in the workshop. Like we've just finished doing all the uh, shop organization stuff. Um, that's kind of it. Like it, it's just been getting back into doing production again. Um, I did have a couple of uh, quite fun phone conversations this week, including one with uh, Mister Alex Halfpenny uh, about mini displays and. <laughs> It was super exciting and fun. And I I didn't realize how excited I was about mini disc players until I was on the phone to him. Um, and uh, yeah, so that, that was really good. Uh, Saturday, I got to actually go into the work for, workshop and do a little bit of forging again. Um, got to work on a, on a couple of uh, English pattern axes. Um, they're kind of a cross between the ones that uh the guys put out yesterday yeah yesterday um so we've we've where we did the knife of the month last year we're doing axe of the month this year um and the first one was uh four three pound no sorry four one pound english hammers two two pound english hammers and one four pound english hammer uh fucking hammers axes it's been we a follow. Lot. It's been a good day, Steve. Um, so yeah, uh, that was uh, a fun project to be kind of involved in. Um, got to help Joe a little bit with that. Um, doing, especially on the four pounder, that was a lot of hair striking. Um, so that was good fun. Um, but the ones that I've made are slightly stouter. They're more similar to a previous axe that Al had forged uh, last. No fuck like three years ago. Um, <clears throat> but that's because I wanted a, a shorter, stouter, more of a splitting axe than a, a forest axe. So yeah, got to work on that, which was fun. And then on the way home, the, I had to pull out and use the Land Rover axe because a tree had just fallen down <laughs> in the road and the Land Rover barely... I think you it. set that up. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was one of those where I was driving the along. The dreams have set up that. <laughs> you know what it was, Steve? It was the image of the landy next to the fallen tree, which was so clearly photoshopped for scale. <laughs> Quick, the lights, the lights going down. We need to find a tree somewhere. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, well, the, like, so the car in front uh, was driving along and just put his hazards on. I was like, what the fuck is he doing? And then he pulled over to the other, like, the wrong side of the road. And I was like, what is he doing? And then as soon as his lights were kind of past the tree, that's when I could actually see it. I was like, oh, fuck. Um, how do I get past this? And kind of pulled over to the wrong side, went under the the high part of it, but actually like lifted the tree up as the Land Rover went under it. I was like, oh, okay, so I don't really fit. Um, and then I thought, well, if anybody else is coming down this road, which it's it's kind of a bit of a, um, a shortcut. So a lot of people tend to go down it and they tend to drive quite a lot faster than they should. And I thought, ah, someone's going to end up with a tree going through their windscreen. Um, so yeah, got the, uh, the Land Rover X out and got rid of it. Um, which was my kind of good deed for the day. Um, and more than anything, it was just a fun excuse to get the axe out. But after a day of forging two axes, my arms were already in bits. So I was like, oh yeah, super happy, super keen to to go at it. And within like three hits, I was like, oh, this is a terrible idea. And now I'm getting cramped. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, that was kind of it. Uh, and now I'm just getting excited for the weekend because it's, it's monday monday <laughs> <laughs> but it's a good weekend for egg-shaped balls because it's a very good weekend for egg-shaped balls yeah it's the the six nations starts uh and the superb owl is on sunday as well i think correct so yeah lots of lots of egg-shaped balls everywhere how exciting. I will be looking forward to watching the commercials as a supercut on YouTube. Good. Um, but yeah, out because uh, on Saturday, uh, England are playing Scotland. And I, I'm not sure if it's Twickenham or Murrayfield. But if it's in Murrayfield, then there's definitely going to be a lot of people driving to Scotland. So you could probably get away with going and pick up the Oh, car. that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. For essential oh. purposes only. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so... Next weekend, I will probably just be talking about rugby because rugby. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of it. It was like I say, a bit of a bit of a boring week, but the highlight being getting to talk to Al about obsolete technology. So that kind of your <laughs> the expression on your face is just beautiful. Like if Brett wanted to talk about the Royal Rumble, just because we we talked about. Cars and sports. <laughs> I don't. I'm not sure I follow that one out. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, obsolete technologies. Al, take a drink of water right now. Perfect. Delicious, refreshing. Yeah, yeah. I mean the the whole the whole mini disc thing. It was. It's obviously something that's got a place in my heart, and as does this car. And it's a bit of kind of nostalgia and back to a simpler time when. I could actually open the bonnet of a car and understand the things that I could see in front of me. And it wasn't just all kind of um, microchips and electronic control things. I could actually <laughs> use a spanner and uh, fix some of the things that were wrong with my Vitara. So I'm looking forward to, to days like that again. Um, and even, yeah, even stuff like the, the mini disc. So to be able to pry open a 20 year old electronic device hoover out the dust from someone else's house from 20 years ago which is rancid mm, um, yeah. and just get it working with like a cotton bud and some rubber bands um it just strikes me that kind of that there's 
obsolescence is is cruel and 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 kind of almost taking us backward not forward so you know i i can't even uh, we've ranted about this before but i i can't even open my macbook now you know it's got to the point where everything is just disposable um and i'm and i'm getting hunger for 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 things from the past um yeah. and i don't mean in like a um a jj abrams way that it's like safety and nostalgia it's like i actually prefer these and, and i yeah i i enjoy the shape of old cars um yeah. it, they, they had angles on them which is something that's completely <laughs> disappeared now in in regular kind of consumer vehicles everything's just a amorphous a bench yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so uh, obsolescence is, is is meant to be about making things easier making you know, us more productive as 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 producers and 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 kind of things more economical. But I I think for a lot a lot of things, it's it's taking out the romance, it's taking out the enjoyment, it's taking out the the hard parts of it. You know, yeah. blowing into a Mega Drive game to get it working. <laughs> it's part of the ritual, you know, and and just being able to press a button now and get anything you want. It takes yeah. any of the kind of the you don't earn anything as much. Yeah, I mean, I think because one of the one of the things you get a lot with uh, technologies becoming obsolete or the new improved version nowadays is, um, you know, people talk about the efficiencies and it's 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 more of this, it's less of that, it's going to cost you less, it's going to do more, and blah blah blah. blah. Um, and to an extent, like you look at cars, that's kind of true. And you know, as someone that drives a thirty <laughs> fucking yeah, thirty-year-old car. Um, and has a twenty-year-old second car and a fifty-year-old yeah. third car. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. fuck. That was a seventy-year-old third car. Well, fuck. Um, fit tax. Yeah, uh, but yeah, like the yes, one hundred percent modern cars are so much. They're nicer to drive. They you know they're more efficient. They're cheaper. Um, but like you said, you can't you can't get a spanner out and start working on it yourself like i the the fan has stopped working on the land rover but i know that i can open the bonnet i can look where it is i can follow the lead back i can unplug the lead and then i can find out that my multimeter is broke and i can't check the um things but yeah you know, you, you can actually get in and work on it i mean uh phil from um phil makes things uh has bought a Again, I think it's another thirty-year-old car, um, the Volvo, and Smoky. it's a, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. And he has had so many things that he's had to fix on it, but he can fix them. It's it costs him the part and a bit of time, and he's able to work on it. Whereas, yeah, you know, if that was a modern car, it just it simply wouldn't be worth your time. You need you need specialist tools just to take the bonnet cover off, sort of thing. Um, and I think that's the same, like I say, with with a lot of the technology stuff like so many of it have or so many um computers and electronics nowadays have even down to like having to have a specialist and take uh, undo the screw because they don't want you to be able to access it it's it's ridiculous um and it they kind of rather than just building in improvements and releasing a new version of something they they purposely make um make something obsolete and then put a uh almost like an expiration on the the new technology that comes out it's it's that planned obsolescence um 
that that means that you have to go and then buy the latest version, the next one, the newer one. I mean, obviously there was mm -hmm. the big hoo-ha uh, not so long back with Apple doing it with the um, the new iOS versions that they were putting out, making the the old iPhones obsolete because they just couldn't handle the um, the updates. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it's yeah, it's it's a really interesting thing. It's like yes, you get improvements from it, but at what price? Yeah, but I, I think it's also a, an issue, especially in tech, that comes up often. Somebody thinks this is the new thing. This is going to be the thing that solves all the problems or, or really shifts people's user experience. And like the touch bar and the USB-C onlys that are on the Macs now, if you look at uh, anything they're doing with the next release or any of the discussions they're having online, they want to put a MagSwitch charger back on it because everyone was like, you know, breaking their uh, USB-C chargers or whatever, because that was the whole point with the mag switch. If you hit it, it knocks out and it's totally fine. No big deal. So they're going back and they're, you know, You're there's right. been talks about them going back to the form factor. They, they're they so form factor driven that people are like the iPhone seven was like the best one, you know, and they're like, well, maybe we bring back a more square bodied version with smaller bezels and all these little detailed things. This idea that the technologies, they want the efficiency, they want cheaper, obviously, and they want a better user experience at the end. But whoever's making those decisions, you're, you're going out so far ahead to say this is going to be the things that change everyone's experience. You don't really have the opportunity to beta test that stuff until it goes out to the market. And then that's when, you know, the billions of people that buy your product realize, actually, we liked it the old way. So, mm -hmm. Al, you working with the mini disc stuff, I remember having uh, the verbatim, I think that was the company's yep. uh, yeah, name, but when you could do the rewritable CDs, I remember verbatim was like the only company that made one that looked like an old vinyl record. Nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so it had the grooves on the one side and it really looked like an old nice. vinyl, but it was, the, you know, size and shape <laughs> of mini or of a CD. I bought the hell out of those. And then when CDs started to go away, I had 50 fake records <laughs> that held a few more songs than an actual record and no drives to play them in because none of my computers had CD drives after that. Um, and it kind of it kind of blows my mind, right? Like the the stuff that we see products that come out, you know, uh, woodworking products, stuff that happens with the maker world where it's like, this is the new clamp. This is going to be the best clamp. And you're like, yeah, best clamp is the one that's right next to me. And that, you know, pins these two pieces of material together, but everyone's trying to figure out what the next thing is or, or how to optimize, how to make it cheaper, better, whatever. I know that those Rockler clamps that were made out of aluminum ended up on the shop floor within a week of Jimmy and I using them because they didn't work for, <laughs> for what they were said to have worked for. So even this idea of making, better, faster, stronger, cheaper, whatever the hell it is, we end up experiencing a lot of that stuff becoming obsolete faster and faster because the market speaks for itself. Yeah. And I listen to a podcast called Accidental Tech Podcast, which uh, Jess got me listening to. Those guys are all Apple nerds. They're all like successful computer nerds, engineers, programmers, whatever. They just had an episode recently where their biggest thing was like, okay, we understand we don't like the touch bar on the MacBooks. You know, hopefully they go back to the Mag Switch thing. If my phone is waterproof, 
why isn't my computer? <laughs> like, how difficult is it to to actually figure out how to make your water or your computer waterproof? Yeah. Because in their mind, like, don't give me a touch bar. Tell me it's waterproof yeah. or, you know, uh, slightly more durable, because I guess Apple was talking about making their bodies out of titanium rather than <laughs> aluminum. But they didn't like the finish that the titanium had. So the form <laughs> factor was wrong. And it wasn't even a cost thing. Yeah. It was just they didn't like how it looked. Anyway, the, no, the idea that like, everything that goes forward, like we keep seeing this obsolescence coming out faster and faster, too, because everyone's trying to get to the next thing. I mean, at, at least once a day, I hear this at work <laughs> of, of somebody knocking a drink over. Right. And, and it was so why a MacBook's not waterproof. That's a really, really good point. I've never thought about it. Um because it would be the death of many a machine in our studio. Um, yeah, you just you just touched on, on on tools a little bit there, Brett. And I was thinking back to um, a couple of weeks ago, where I went to my friend's house to help him with the built-in wardrobes, which was yeah. a sheet, of, sheet of plywood. Um, and I, I took the skill saw because I knew we'd have to rip down these 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 big sheets. Um, but then when it comes to, to to fine fit. I was like, we could use we could use the the circular saw again, and we could we could bring it down to the edge. Or I've got the jigsaw, or I've got the power planer. You know, I could bring the belt sander out and really mm -hmm. take some material off. And I was like, no, let's use the hand plane. And my friend, um, funnily enough, his brother is actually a builder, but he's he doesn't make any of this stuff himself. He doesn't build much. And um, he's getting into it a bit more and more. But I was like, no, let's. You know, have you ever used a plane before? I was like, no. So like, we just started taking shavings off this this sheet of plywood. And you could just see it going down to the line with each pass. And he's like, oh, fuck, is that how much he's coming off? I'm like, yeah, 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 watch each time. And you could just, you could see him understanding what he was doing mm -hmm. because he was using this this traditional tool and this, it didn't just, you know, if we'd have done the power plane, we'd just done it in one pass. Yeah. Right. You, you would have blinked and missed it. And the whole house would have been filled with like sawdust and shavings <laughs> and chipping. Um, but the fact that you could just, really easily you know and, and just take it off but also get a bit of a workout and and put some energy and effort into the thing you're making as well yeah and you could see this sort of cog turning in his brain and he's not he's not a maker by any stretch of imagination you know he likes a roast dinner and stuff but he, he would never consider himself a builder or a maker or anything and you could just see those things those pennies dropping and it's like oh yeah i'm i'm putting effort into this this is hard work i can see it happening in front of me and it's actually a really nice smooth finish at the end of it. And then I can <laughs> tilt tilt the plane, take a beveled off the edge and just round the round the edges off. And you wouldn't have got that with a with the replacement of the hand plane. <laughs> right. you know, it's, like, it's like that's why hand planes have been around for a thousand yeah. years, two thousand years, three thousand years. Yeah. Um because you get that connection and that precision and that ease and that understanding. Yeah. I mean, I think like that the the connection with the thing that you're doing is a is a really good shot. I mean, that's why people. I I realize I'm bringing it back to cars again, but that's why people <laughs> love old sports cars because you know there there is literally like the F40. Yeah. There is literally you, the engine, a seat, and a steering <laughs> wheel. And that's it. Like that is your connection. There's not there's no fancy electronics between you and what you're doing. Um, yeah, that that's why I love the Land Rover because. If the basically the only electrical problem I ever get with it is the fact that the electric leaks, um, like there's electrical things don't break in it because there's no electrical things in it, um, and uh, and that idea of 
of being really connected to it i think is that's why you get people that that just do hand tool woodworking that just do that and but there's this assumption that um that that's just hobbyists and you know that's just uh artisans and and reenactors and you know that that <laughs> thing has has no real place in an actual uh working environment yet uh my so my brother's a, a chippy he's a um he's a joiner he's a um uh i don't know what the the american term for it would be but basically he he makes wooden frame buildings and does like first fixed carpentry sort of thing um but the one of the tools that he uses most is still a chisel um just the the, the humble like carpenter's chisel like it's and i think it was uh um james right wood by right that said on the podcast that he used to be on that i can't remember the name of oh just uh, that one i didn't know it was uh it was the one with um with zach and that wasn't it Anyway, the, the the podcast that he was on, like I can remember, I, that's it. Yeah, um, I remember him saying that essentially every tool in woodworking is just a chisel in a different form, <laughs> and, and like uh, so, even, even a, a handsaw is it's just lots of little chisels just taking little bites out uh, in a row, and um, even when you get onto the the electric ones they're still just a chisel um and sometimes having the ability to manipulate it yourself without having to be confined by what the machine that you're holding is designed for is really useful i mean that's because... a, that's, a, that's a really good point so just sim something simple as a plane like the adjustment you can get on a power planer hmm. is like it's like my shower it's like hoth or mordor <laughs> like, there's no in between even though there's increments on the dial yeah it's nowhere near as precise as a hand plane where you can literally feel the tension on the blade as you're turning it you, you probably shouldn't be showering with a hand plane it's, it's, it's waxed don't worry about it um, <laughs> but you know the idea that a machine is more precise or a machine makes you more efficient or a machine makes yeah. you better i think that it it's not about being romantic and about oh, i love the feel of a you know brass sandal on a hand plane. It's like no, no, it's a better fucking tool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a million ways, other than speed. Yeah, I mean it's one of those things. Like if you're doing um, like batch work, if you're doing repetitive stuff, and you know you you know you're making the same cut at the same point every time, blah blah blah. This, then you know you set your um, your motorized whatever up to be able to do that quickly efficiently it's like right okay i, I know I'm not gonna leave. i it well, took me longer and it was more difficult to use power tools on the table than it did to use a hand plane because yeah. be, you had to keep going back and making up for the mistakes and and filling in the gaps and, and well, that's what i was going to say is like if if you're doing um like really repetitive stuff then you know you, it, you can set it up so that it is uh it's it's faster it's more efficient whatever uh, if you're doing stuff that's more um, kind of ad hoc than being able to pick up a plane and just go, I just need to take that little bit off, done, perfect. Um, but yeah, one of the big problems comes with it. And this is where I really struggle with woodwork because I lack patience with it. So mm -hmm. I'm just like, ah, oh, fuck it. I just want to get, like, I know I need to take a load of wood off there. So I'm just going to go at it with the 
heaviest grit sandpaper I can find on the fastest moving spinny thing I can find. And I'm going to remove a load of wood. And what I end up doing is going way past what I need to be doing because I'm not connected to it. And having like using a Shinto rasp or using a spoke shave or whatever, it, it slows you down enough that you go, actually, I'm not going to go past that point. I'm going to, I'm going to refine it. Like I think um, with a lot of uh, crafting things, like using a, 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 a power tool is, you know, that, that does the grunt work that gets most of the way there. But generally people still go back to doing things by hand, whether it's, whether it, even if it is just a case of, you know, hand sanding something to get that final finish. Like people tend to go back to doing the, the, the kind of what I thought of as obsolete um, technologies to, to finish things off. Even like I, I went to um, Sheffield last year, maybe the year before uh, to one of the big um, like traditional knife makers up in Sheffield um, where they make thousands of knives for uh, different companies. And even there, like a lot of the stuff, yes, it was being like uh, the, the blanks were being press cut out. They were being done in batches, but so much of it was still being done in a quite a traditional way. And they were still finished by hand and using, I mean, they, they had uh, one of the, the sharpening wheels that they had was just a fuck off big mill wheel that was spinning and they were sh still sharpening on that. And that's technology that's been around for fucking a thousand years. Like, I think there is this um, uh, kind of uh, not belief, but like this, this, um, whatever i can't think of the fucking word uh conception yes that that just because something is is new it's therefore better um or because it's it's more efficient in this one particular way that means it's better and and a lot of that is is the the company's being a good salesman it's like oh yeah but if you use this for this one specific task you can shave off like 30 seconds of work but actually it makes everything else more difficult and doesn't give you the, the the control that you needed like i think i think people are far too easy to go oh yeah well, i'm just gonna go for the quick one like it's the same with um like going to a cnc over a um uh doing something with a an old manual thing where you have to put the bit of metal in yourself and let it punch out the the holes like you it's so much quicker and easier to be able to adjust it if you're um doing it manually whereas mm -hmm. cnc version you know you have to go back in you have to edit it again like they all have their place um but just because something is more efficient in one way doesn't necessarily make it obsolete mm -hmm. go on Ed. um yeah no just i don't want to keep banging on about technology but um makes a change for food one, one of the things or films one of the things that um i really like about uh the Techbone channel and his approach to talking about um I don't want to say re retro because that makes it sound like it's like chintzy but yeah. um obsolete for want of a better word technology is that he actually understands everything and he talks about it and he says that if you got a, a the best cassette player you could buy at the end yeah. of life that was better than the first CD players yeah and better than the cheap CD players you can buy now 
So yeah. everyone was laughing about sort of the audio quality of cassette and and all these these ideas in people's head about old fashioned things. And it's like, well, my mini disc player it might be funny and clunky, but if I get the right deck and the right audio codec, it's probably better than some of the shit that people are listening to now because of the components yeah. and it's not cheaply churned out. And the headphones aren't shit. And I'm listening to it on a real high fidelity amplifier and speakers and stuff. And yeah. there's like so many people think that like optical media is dead, that nobody buys nobody buys DVDs anymore. <laughs> and you can just stream it. And so the other night I put on um endgame endgame has been like my test disc for um setting up the new the new the amp that i fixed yeah um and getting all the settings in and getting hdr working and 4k yeah. running through and basically it was putting the disc on versus what's on disney plus <laughs> and it's streets apart and i don't think people appreciate that i think people have just gotten so used to automation and things yeah. being easy and convenient that they forget that actually the, the 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 quality of something can be better even if the technology is obsolete. So if I had the chance and I owned the disc, I would be watching the physical film every fucking time because yeah. it's so much better than what you're streaming and all the compression that it goes through and all the buffering and stuff and, and little things that might not bother you much, but for someone that loves film and loves the immersion and the experience, mm. you don't get that from streaming. And it's yeah. I think I think there's a lot of cases where things have become obsolete that actually are better than what we've got now. Yeah. That makes sense. So, I mean, like, as, as much as I joked about uh, not talking about food, I'm just trying <laughs> to bring it all back around to food. So, perfect example of that is I know that I can go to McDonald's and they will be using the most efficient way of getting a piece of meat <laughs> hot between two bits of bread and out yeah. the door as quickly and efficiently and as cheaply as possible. Yeah, well, that, that's why it's still a pound for a cheeseburger, and it was exactly. 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah, but I guarantee I would much rather go to, uh, like, go see Nick Weston, get him to cook it on an open fire using actual wood, actually cooking it, like, making all the ingredients and using these really old traditional things and making a fucking delicious meal. That's why when you go to like really nice restaurants, they're, they're not using a microwave. Like it's just because that technology is newer. I mean, the, the perfect example is uh, the That's What I Reckon video, uh, the mm. roast chicken one. Yeah. Like if you haven't seen it, go <laughs> and watch it. It's <laughs> fucking hilarious. <laughs> and so a big part of it is a, a, an advert from the 80s about a woman cooking a roast chicken in the microwave. And that, so, was, that wasn't um, like some bizarre thing he no. took up from the archive. I remember fucking cookbooks yeah. like that. Like entire yeah. cookbooks about how to do the full Sunday roast in a microwave. It's like, yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> and you look at it, you're like, you think about it now and everyone's going, what the fuck? You should <laughs> why would you ever do that? But it was because again, it was a new technology. So everyone was like, ah, oh, it's better. You can, you can have it done faster and quicker and it's just as tasty got this weird brown paste on it because it doesn't actually cook it properly um but again like there's the rise in like the fire cooking now because people want to go back to that because they've realized that actually you know with with a live fire yes it's a little bit more difficult you've got to give a bit more attention but the flavors you get are just uncomparable like i mean 
the in the the cookbook there's um again by nick the duro tacos where he cooks roe deer on the actual embers of the fire um and makes these amazing tacos from that like you compare that to a microwave fucking taco like there is just no comparison the flavor difference in that is going to be unreal and yeah i think it's, it was just a good example of like the fact that just because it's it's a newer better uh technology doesn't actually mean that it's better like the end result isn't right. necessarily i'll throw this question at you guys i need to know what piece of technology you've seen exist for a while but you still don't understand its its usage or purpose or why it continues to exist and my example that i'm thinking of to give you a little bit of context is like i have lived in three different places and the current one that i'm you know sat in i i can't make an argument for needing a microwave now because of the the last let's say four years of my life i have not had really a proper microwave like a, a proper one you know one that's got higher power and cooks things slightly more efficient whatever the hell you're gonna do other than like heating up a cup of coffee every now and then I never used my microwave. So the one that I had in Brooklyn for three years that sat on top of my refrigerator in my kitchen, living room, bedroom combo, I used to heat up coffee. And I know not a single other thing got done in that microwave, which is why it was completely spotless when I got rid of it. The one in Hudson where you guys visited, I think we may have heated up tea at one point. <laughs> but I, so so <laughs> tell me, like my example is the microwave. I grew up with one. I cooked a lot of things in it that I will probably never seek out again, like bagel bites and all these just <laughs> terribly, terribly unhealthy foods that were like, you'll have fucking garbage food in 30 seconds and it's going to be great, except for the middle's going to be hot lava, you know, hot pockets <laughs> being like, I can get 900 calories in 30 seconds and it's going to burn my tongue and I won't be able to taste the terrible meatballs that are inside of it. Fucking microwaves have existed my entire life and they were a huge deal when they came out and this whole, and that's what I reckon, I just watched it and they were this horrible <laughs> advert of like, you can make an entire roast in your microwave. Like one, I want to know how big your fucking microwave is to put an entire chicken in there because I never had a, a microwave that large or it was just very small chickens so tell me do, do either of you even have microwaves i can't even remember i do not have a microwave yeah okay I, steve i, I don't remember one. using yours and i've i've been at yours for a long enough period of time that i never used your microwave yeah i mean i i again i have one the the main two things that get that gets used for is porridge. um yeah <laughs> that's exactly what i was gonna say is porridge and everything you guys <laughs> uh de defrosting like if i've got bread that's in the freezer uh and i need bread and it's it, it's still frozen like i might chuck it in the microwave. oh no and butter because the ki kitchen is fucking freezing so i use the microwave pretty much like during the winter months almost every time i need to spread butter i've got to put it in the microwave for like 10 seconds um but but that's why that's why god yeah. invented massive slices of butter <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, i don't know if you guys have seen this new technology where you put a stick of butter in this thing and it it's like a squeezy cheese graters type <laughs> butter thing where you, it's new technology it's going to take over for butter preparation <laughs> give it um, the time please. but yeah no it's basically for for butter and porridge but all right I, so I, al you don't even have one no and and 
because of the same reasons you guys have just said. Genuinely heating up coffee, which now I can realize you can do in the same amount of time in a saucepan if you're that yep. desperate to drink those dregs of coffee. Yeah. Um, it was the same thing. Oatmeal, uh, heating up baked beans, um, <laughs> and melting butter. Yeah. And it's like, all of those things I can do in a pan. Yeah. Scrambled eggs, I'm doing a pan. Um, and it's just like, why is this here? And then then it started thinking of me that it's about, it's more than that. It's about sort of attitude and respect and this kind of, this culture that we were breeding of of like like you said brett just disgusting food with no nutritional value that you can have instantly because you're just so desperate to like how fucking busy are you that you that you you know are you like a shift working nurse that's also a firefighter and <laughs> a fucking ref jet pilot who just has so little time and just needs nutrition pumping it in their veins that we've resorted to just this 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 thing and like microwaves are just bad for the food like then they're not good for like keeping nutrition in they're they're bad for the way that food is heated and prepared and the way that like thermodynamically how it actually transfers heat through mm. the material it's just terrible in every way possible mm. um and it just it was just having all these knock on effects in my brain that it was like having a microwave was like a metaphor for something it was like a metaphor for being lazy or for being like having the wrong priorities. Like, I, like, like this it, makes me so happy because it just stood I out for me. I'm, this I'm makes also, me so happy. I'm also yet to find something that wasn't made more delicious and easier than being reheated in a frying pan <laughs> with butter <laughs> and oil and actual, you know, caramelization yeah. and heat in the, in the traditional sense. Um, but it's not like I'm being a snob. Like, I'm saying I don't want the thing. I don't want the technology. I don't want the expensive, new, shiny gadget. Mm. It's like, it's 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 partway between a, 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 a Luddite and, like... It's kind, of, uh, it's kind of like being a hipster. It's not, though, because the, the, <laughs> the, the hipster will be getting the best microwave that there is, or, they you know... Maybe going, no, I'm going to do it artisanally and... Use words like that and, and no. they're, they're eating, using eating something in a saucepan is not artisanal. I've got an Nespresso machine. I don't give a <laughs> fuck. Like I'm not, I, that's the thing. I, I, yeah. It's not about the romance of it. No. Like some, some things absolutely are about the romance. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to like food, we always go on about food, but it's just so important. And the, the things, it's like sitting at table versus sitting on the sofa watching TV. Exactly. Yeah. Same meal, but you're not going to digest it the same. Literally, yeah. you're not going to digest yeah. it the same. And your mental availability while eating it is not going to be the same. You're not going to enjoy it because you're distracted. And a, a lot of these things add up. So I think when we talk about things becoming obsolete, it's like at the expense of mass production or at the expense yeah. of, to your point, Steve, um, a company wanting built-in obsolescence because they're, 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 the shareholders are, are breathing down their neck because they want profits up next week. I've yeah. got two hands up. Go on. Go, go on well, I, the only thing I had was just, I'd, I'd love to hear if there's another example because this just turned into the fucking microwave <laughs> situation. <laughs> well, my, my one was kind of a wrap-up, so I'm going to answer your question first But because my go one on. was always the the iPad. When the iPad first came out, I just went, Same. I don't 
I don't I don't see the point. I've got it's it's somewhere between a laptop and a phone, and it feels a. I've a, already got both. Yeah, like it, <laughs> it feels a void that isn't really like needed. Like I just I I never really saw the point. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like yes, I can definitely see that in certain certain situations they have value, but when you don't think, want to use your hands. Yeah, I think for the vast majority of people, they're just it's just it's filling a void that doesn't need to be filled. Um, and we would be perfectly fine without them. Like it's essentially just in, in fact, most of the situations that I'm thinking of where they, they have value is as uh point of sale things anyway. And you know, it's essentially just then a touch screen. Um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah, I I just think that the iPad's a bit like a bit of a meh. Um, but I think I think Apple's a fantastic flagship for that exact scenario. To, to your point, Brett, yeah. going backwards, um, and they keep they keep doing it because they keep pushing for the wrong thing. They did it with the Mac Pro. Yeah, they went for this weird desktop dustbin thing that like looked super cool and hipsters could have on the, in their like studio apartments. It's like no, that's not the people that use these machines. <clears throat> people that use these machines want modularity, expandability. Yep. and like it to be accessible and easy to fix and and doesn't matter how big it is because it's going yeah. in a like server room or something it's like yeah they, they've just completely lost their way and they keep you can see them doing it and they and yeah. they keep making adjustments to the things that they claim are the latest and greatest one year and then the next year they come out and go oh that yeah forget about that <laughs> it's like well it can't have been that fucking good if 12 months passes and it's no longer a good idea yeah and I, th- I think that's the thing is there's, there's a big difference between actual innovation and actual improvement uh, and upselling and marketing. Um, and a lot of it do- does get kind of, a lot of things get sold as being, uh, oh, this is the best ever. This is going to really improve things for you. And it's all just fucking marketing hype. Um, but to go back again to the microwave, like as much as we talk about the fact that uh, we don't use them and everything. And like, yes, it is far better, nine out of ten, to if you if you just need to reheat your food, especially if you if you're reheating like Chinese or something like that. Please, for the love of God, just try doing it in a saucepan because it's so much better. That's um, literally what a wok is for. It's yeah, for heating up exactly. Yeah, <laughs> add a little bit of water, put your rice and that in, and just yum 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 yum. Um, but there are situations where you don't necessarily have time for that. So say you've just got back from doing the shopping because you forgot that you're recording on Monday rather than on Sunday. And you get back, you've got like 30 seconds before you're supposed to be recording the podcast. You, your two podcast friends are already messaging, going, waiting and giving you shit for being late. And sometimes it's just easier to just chuck it in the microwave and, and have it done and then eat it. And and sometimes you have to sacrifice the the nice deliciousness of heating it in a pan because some things are more important because some things are spiffing. Cool. In which case, Al, do you have an order? Yes, it is Azib. As of, mm. which means you are first. Because I actually have someone this time. Yay! Um, so this is, I can't remember where I came across this dude or who recommended him. Um, the internet. Andy, no, it may be an Andy Pugh. 
or someone fell out of maker community and just scrolling scrolling through his account he has like um some stuff from chris from get hands dirty but his account is very much anonymous he's called j yatulis or yatulis i don't know um it's a hebrew name i've no idea um but i think he used to work at brown um brawn uh because his whole Instagram feed is just really beautiful images of classic pieces of design from Braun, mm. um, ranging from like the iconic um, alarm clock through to like sort of sixties kitchenware um, and stuff that honestly would look like not out of place today, like genu- yeah. like seventies coffee grinders that just look mm-hmm. like beautiful, simplistic, you know, not. Yeah not like they're from the set of 2001 in the slightest. Um, they're just classic timeless pieces of design. So yeah, I get the impression he maybe used to work there, um, but his his photography is amazing. He has all these fantastic obsolete pieces of technology, but a lot of stuff that's stood the test of time. So, you know, they've got 1967 coffee grinder. Looks yeah. exactly like a coffee grinder does today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, might be a slightly worse motor inside or something. I don't know, but I can imagine not much has changed. Um, <laughs> to see a company that kind of stuck by its guns and just purely went on great design and yeah. not, not <laughs> to Brett's point, whatever a disc washer is. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's for washing your discs. Oh, it's for, is it for vinyl? The cleaning vinyl? I think so. Ah, with, yeah, with be, the yeah, brush, yeah. I, I kind of figure with the brush, but sort of lotion and brush. Um, but yeah, but um, beautiful account. Just check it out. Um, he's called Jay. Yeah, he has like the maker knife and stuff on there, and so he's obviously and he's wearing one of Eric's Handle Rescue T-shirts. Yeah. So he must so. be in the community somewhere. He probably maybe even knows us. So hi, Jay. <laughs> <if you're listening. laughs> um, I love your Instagram account. Go check it out. So it's Jay Yatulis. <laughs> He's wearing one of Caro's t-shirts and another photo. Oh, so. Well, he's yeah. German, so. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's J-Y-A-T-U-L-I-S. The link will be in the shows, and that is on Instagram. Good shout. Love it. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I'm distracted because, as you can probably tell by the fact that I'm talking about what t-shirts he's wearing, uh, scrolling down through it at the moment, and there is some gorgeous-looking stuff on there. It's mm-hmm. one of those brands that was, like, not all singing, dancing, didn't mm. have flash like ad campaigns and stuff, but when I go through this, there's like design classics I recognize, like the coffee percolator. Yeah. Like yeah. completely think like my dad had that coffee percolator. Yeah, uh, definitely. Some of the like radios, like the little handheld radios and stuff. Um oh yeah, he's got a Zach t shirt on and stuff. Yeah, and a Laura one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Check him out. Check it Do out. it. Uh Azub, which uh, that's me next, isn't it? Uh, so, because we're talking about uh, obsolete technologies and, and stuff like that, uh, one of the things that I'm most looking forward to in the coming, hopefully coming months, maybe we'll see, depending on what the world does in the next few weeks, um, is going to be going back to flea markets and reclamation yards and stuff like that. Because there's a fucking brilliant uh, flea market uh, not too far from me, the Shepton Flea Market, um, which for a number of reasons I am super excited about going back to. Um, But uh, there's also some really nice reclamation yards near me. Uh, One of them has a actual missile and a tank um, in the gate on the way in 
Interesting. But, yeah, it's, oh, it's it's beautiful. It's got some really cool stuff there as well. Um, but there's also a, just down the road from that, there's a slightly smaller one uh, called Glastonbury Reclamation, uh, which is obviously in Glastonbury. Um, and yeah, their Instagram account is just, it's lots of photos of like the random shit that they find. Um, and it's really nice uh, because, uh, sorry, Murph, Murphy's just decided to come down and drink water really loudly next to me. Um, yeah, they've got lots of like random old shit and like some of it is like just, here's a picture of some old windows. And then the next thing is, here's a picture of an old like rally cross pickup from whenever. Um, and just lots of like random stuff. And it's quite... Quite nice, quite inspiring. Um, I've been into the yard a couple of times and everyone that works there is super nice and friendly. Um, so yeah, they're just kind of good people. Uh, obviously, this is a bit more kind of, it's better for local people because it's a local salvage yard for local people. Um, but I'm hoping that maybe some people kind of get a little bit of inspiration, go and find your local reclamation yard and go buy some cool, old, weird, obscure stuff. They are wonderful places. Yes, they are. That place that uh, you and I went we were, when I was up. Uh, oh, yeah. With yeah. a donkey? Yeah. And, <laughs> uh, and the tea rooms. And, yeah. yeah. And a bus. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Go 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 to your local reclamation yard and go find a flea market because they're fucking ace. Um, yeah, that's it. That's that's mine. Fast and reclamation. Love it. Fair enough. Correct. You go next. Yeah. So this is absolutely just an entertainment spiff. Um, They've got a giant water wheel. Sorry. <laughs> of course they have. <laughs> so, sorry, I got very excited. Uh, yes, sorry, Brett Caron. I won't interrupt uh, again, I promise. If you're quite finished. Yes, this is an entertainment spiff because I just had a delightful time and took a little bit of work combing through YouTubes to find the other episodes of this thing. I don't know what show it was on. Maybe you guys know better than I do, or if it was just like a random little gimmick that would show up on TV every now and then. It was a show. Okay. Uh, I was introduced to this look around you, and <laughs> I was not given any context. It has this retro feel to it, like all of the technology that's within it. It seemed like this scientific documentary explaining something. It was educational. When I... Started watching it. I was like, okay. It, even the first screen says television for schools and colleges. So it sets you up for this <laughs> very old educational television show. And it just gets sillier. <laughs> and is so well handled in terms of the, the production value. Like it really sets the tone for this being an old educational thing. But what, what got me the most about it is when we're watching that stuff, <clears throat> when we're younger, you believed everything that they said because it was men in lab coats and filmed in such a way to make it look professional. It's just so much of what they did. And it's like, is it true or is it not? It doesn't matter. <laughs> How do you procure your calcium? So I have included a link. It'll be in the show notes uh, to the first episode that I saw about calcium. And I don't want to give too much away, but if you can find the other ones, because they're, people have reposted them and they're they're all broken up, just silly. And it makes me really, really appreciate people that can go for an old school aesthetic in video form, specifically with the lighting, the colors, the choices of the set pieces and all that kind of stuff. It, it's like put it's a lot of effort into making it look like something from 30 years ago. 
it was it was like the crops as well. So really like awkward, uncomfortable, like cropping. Yeah. Just like yes. so it's so bizarre, Brett, that you said this. And, and obviously Je- Jess sent us the sent us the link. But prior to that, like a week ago, I'd watched an interview with Darth Maul and the other creator. I can't remember who it is. Wait, that was Ray Park. <laughs> um he's got a really squeaky voice. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason they got so fan of it's to do the voice of Darth Maul. <laughs> um, so Gareth Branwyn, who writes for Boing Boing, mm-hmm. book, he pops up in the groups and stuff. Um, there was a Boing Boing interview with those guys, like looking back at Look Around You and like how they came about it. And I was just, I was really so bizarre coincidence. I was, I was watching that interview, them talking back about this show that's 20 years old. Um and why and how they went about making it. So if you watch the show and you love that, it's worth actually watching that interview as well. And what what led them, what drove them to create this mad kind of. Oh, that's brilliant! It was it was, it was like it was on in the middle of the night. Like it wasn't a popular show. It was a random. Okay. Like you watched it if you were drunk coming back from a club or something. Right. <laughs> it was just like super niche. It wasn't some like mainstream thing. <laughs> uh, cool. Right. Is there any other business from either of you? Oh, I can't see your face, so you're going to have to do something. Verbal. No, there's no any other business. Thank you very I much. Don't have, I don't have any other business. Right. In which case, you can find us in all of the usual social media places. You can find me at Moonshine Metalworks or on YouTube at The Forge. You can find Brett at Skull and Spade 13, and you can find Al at Al's Hack Shack. The bottom of eBay. The bottom, <clears throat> very bottom of eBay. Um, I've got it on laser disc. If you want to come inside and watch, that was a really bad Gary Busey from Black Sheep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you want to find us as a group, uh, ftppodcast.com or Fools of Tools on Facebook or Instagram, all of the places, all of the things, just Google it. It's fine. Um, yeah, that's it for another week. Um, so until next time, we, we love you all and goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs>